you everyone for the privilege of being here and being a part of your church and the things that you're doing and this incredibly powerful series that we're, we've been uh, working with. On Wednesday uh, at about four o'clock I pulled the car up at Raylene's place, that's our daughter, she was at Carum, pulled the car into her place, jumped on the train at Carum, went all the way to Melbourne, got off the CBD at about 5.30, quarter to six, arrived at uh, the um, <coughs> Baptist place at Urban Sea and uh, spent the next couple of hours, two or three hours, with the Urban Sea board uh, going over different things. And in the last 12 months, I joined uh, David Wilson as uh, part of his board with Urban Seed, and my eyes have been opened. It's incredible. The work they do is remarkable and it's a real privilege to be a part of it. You talk about what you see when your eyes are open, and uh, now I know that Urban Seed works in CBD, and it's out at uh, St Albans, and it's in Norlane, and it's in CBD in Geelong, and it's all over the place. It's incredible the work that they're doing, and they're expanding all the time. And it's actually gone upwards since David came as CEO. So pray for that work. Uh, just something that, as, that I've seen when God's opened my eyes uh, recently to see the things that he's doing in his world. Well, here we are. We're in this series of um, <coughs> 40 Days in the Word and we're talking about the subject of illumination. Now, you will remember that last week we talked about the importance of understanding the Bible and how that the Bible is a difficult book if you don't have illumination. It really is hard to understand the scriptures if they're not illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about illumination and said, look, when we have more light, we can see more. And the more light we see, the more enlightened our minds become. The more enlightened our minds become, the more we see from God's word. So then we thought about this really important understanding of how when Jesus went back to heaven, just before he did, he promised he'd send the Holy Spirit. And then we learned some of the things that, that he told us about the work of the Holy Spirit when he went. And he said the Holy Spirit will be the counsellor and he'll teach us and remind us all of the th- about all the things that Jesus has taught us and he wants us to know. And then he said he will also lead you into all truth and that is that he will help us to understand the truth of God's word. So the Holy Spirit is so important. And then he said he will make God's word known to us. In other words, he will illuminate the revelation. That again is such an important understanding. And then we went into Ephesians, remember, in chapter 1, verses 17 to 19, and we got some understanding of how Paul, when writing to the Christians at Ephesus and through them to us, said this. He said, look, this is Paul, I keep praying and asking God the Father to give you his spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, so that he will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. In other words, the Holy Spirit whispers into our hearts the things that God wants us to know about himself, the impressions and and the understanding that God wants us to have. And then in those verses 18 and 19, he said this, he said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be opened or enlightened. Eyes of your heart. Remember we talked about the spiritual world and the physical world and how the spiritual world brought the physical world into being. And when we become followers of Jesus, we live in two worlds. We don't live only in the physical, we live very much in the spiritual. And in fact, the spiritual is even more important and more impacting than the physical. Well, that brings us to the clear definition of 
illumination. Wow, there you go. 40 days and we love, it. we love the word, learn the word and live the word. And here's the illumination. The illumination of the Holy Spirit is letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. Letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. And then we asked ourselves, didn't we, the question, what is illumination? How does it actually happen? And we used two stories from the Bible to illustrate what happens when God opens our eyes. And today we'll use two more stories and at the end I'll give you a very short summary of how you might be able to prepare yourself to do this. So let's look at these four benefits of illumination. Remember the first two. When God opens my eyes, the first thing I see is the solution to my problem. Remember Hagar and Ishmael in Genesis 21 and God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw something she hadn't seen before, the well of water. So often the solution is right in front of us and we don't see it. And we need God to open our eyes and illuminate us by the power of his spirit. And then we looked at what we see is the barrier to our progress. And remember Balaam and the donkey in in Numbers 22? And Balaam was going his own way and God stopped him. God stopped him in his pathway. Balaam didn't know what was happening until his eyes were opened and he saw the angel with the sword. And we said it's all too easy for us to go our own way, be even doing the very best that we would want to do, but it's not God's way. And we need the illumination of God's spirit in our lives. So now we come to number three, benefit. I see the defence for what's attacking me. I see the defence how God is going to defend me for the things that are attacking me. Now it's true. Everyone feels under attack at some time or another in their lives. And, and you may feel under attack this morning in your life. You may be, you've got a cold, you've got germs attacking your system, you're sick. You may be under the attack economically or in your job or your finance or in my case and people like me in retirement. There's all sorts of things. You may be under attack from former friends or your own family members or even in your mind there may be fears and things that you struggle with in your life and you think that you can't really work out what God might be doing. And that's where this great story in 2 Kings 6 comes. It's the story of Elisha and the Arameans. In the Old Testament there was a nation called Aram and that nation of Aram was always at war with Israel and every time they attacked Israel they were beaten because Elisha, who was a prophet of God in Israel, was told the king of Israel in advance what the people were going to do. So he'd go and tell the king of Israel and the king of Israel would know. And of course the king of Ram lost his temper. He said, what's going on around here? I can't win. I have all these brilliant plans to do what I want to do and they're thwarted. Somebody's telling him my plans. Do I have a traitor in my ranks? And so he set out to find out who was doing the leaking. And we pick the story up 
in 2 Kings 10, 20, 10 to 6, 10 to 23. This happened, that is the leak happened several times. So the king of Aram became so upset he called his officers and demanded, which of you is a traitor? Who's been informing the king of, my, of Israel of my plans? It's not us, Lord, one of the officers said. It's Elisha, that prophet. He tells the king of Israel, even the things you're talking about in your own bedroom. Wow, that's, that's really prophecy, isn't it? He knows your plans before you tell us. The king said, you find where he is and we'll send troops to seize him. And the report came back, he's in Dotham. Dotham's a little town in Israel. So one night the king of Ram sent an army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When Elisha's servant got up in the morning, he went outside, he saw the troops and the horses and the chariots and he panicked and he ran in and he said to Elisha, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. And Elisha said, don't be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. But that's not true. It's not true. There's only two of them. And there are masses of army against them. What are you talking about? Elisha, what's going on? And we picked the story up in 2 Kings 6 verse 17 and this is what it says. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant hadn't seen anything. He hadn't seen the angel. He hadn't seen what was going on until the Lord opened his eyes and there was God right there doing what he always does. You lose your fear when God is near. You will always lose your fear when God is near. We come back to the presence of God, such an important thing to us as God's people. As the Aramean army advanced toward them, Elisha prayed, O Lord, make them blind. And the Lord did as Elisha asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, look, you've come the wrong way. Remember, think now, they're blind. You've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to where you, to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O oh Lord, now open their eyes. And the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in Samaria. When Elisha's king, the king of Israel, saw the captive enemy army, he shouted, Elisha! He shouted, Elisha, should I kill them? Of course not. Do we kill prisoners of war? So the king of Israel made a, far, a great feast of the Aramean army and then sent them home to their king. And after that, the Aramean raiders never strayed in the land of Israel again. Now, the easiest way to get rid of an enemy is to turn them into a friend. Instead of assassinating and killing all these people and having enemies for generations to come, you turn them into your best friend. And here's the point. You see, we've all got things in our life, if we're really reflective and honest, that attack us at different times. And we feel overwhelmed. And we think there's so much against us, how can anything be for us? God needs to open 
our eyes. God wants to show us the resources that he can command to give us and make available to us. There are angels all around you all of the time and you cannot see them until God opens your eyes and sees the activity that's going on. God's forces are there to protect us and God says, when I see it from his point of view, then I can see the defence that he's setting up and all of a sudden my fear goes down dramatically. Now this is how I relate to this. This is how I relate to this. You see, we all have issues in our lives. We struggle, we're human. We'd love to be above everything and coasting all of the time, wouldn't we? But it's not like that. And so I go back in my life, this is not a victim story, please understand that, this is not a sympathy story, I go back in my life to arriving in a foster home at the age of five and a half. And I know as I look back and as I work it all out in bits and pieces, pretty vague, not much detail, I know there's a lot of physical abuse that went on in my life up until that time. I know there was a lot of confusion, a lot of emotional abuse, hurt, pain, rejection, going from one family to the other and sorting it all out as you grow up. And you know what? There's a lot of damage goes on in people's lives like that. And a lot of us have those sorts of things in different ways. But you know what? In my case, I can tell you, you carry it with you for the rest of your life. You carry it with you for the rest of your life. You do. And then I live with an amazing woman called my wife, Lynn, and I look and I see this beautiful woman that came out of this godly family, mum and dad and generations of Christians and six kids and all connected and I see the difference. I see the difference in completely opposite backgrounds. But you know what? That doesn't take it away. You see, this is what happens. You can't forget it. It's there when you go to school and you have to produce the evidence of who you are. And it's there when you open a first bank account. And it's there when you start work. And it's there at Bible college, when I went to Bible college. And it's there when you have your children and it's there when you have your grandchildren. Only the other day I'm walking along the beach with my granddaughter, 15 years of age, and we got into this subject for some reason. Not about me, but it came into this adoption stuff. And it's there and you talk about it. So imagine this because, you see, it's your self-worth. And let's, let's be real here. People have struggles with self-value and self-image and self-worth and it's your value as a person. And so often you think, there's so many things against me, I can't make it at this pace. So imagine the relief. Imagine the relief when God opened my eyes and showed me these verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 to 58. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour is not in vain. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Did you hear it? George, give thanks to God. Give thanks to God because he's given you the victory. He's given you the victory. Stand firm. Stand firm in Jesus. Let nothing move. Let the adoption move you. Let all the emotions flood you. Let all the destruction 
destroy nothing. Let nothing, absolutely nothing move you. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Get on and redeem the time because the days are evil. Do the things God's called you to do and your labour is not in vain in the Lord. So you might be under attack right now. I don't know. God does, you do. It might be money, it might be friends, it might be work, it might be in your mind. And you think, how can I possibly stand against all of this? You need God's illumination. And when he speaks to you through his word, take it by faith and live it. That's such a beautiful blessing. And then number four, benefit of illumination. When God opens my eyes, I see how God is walking with me. It's the day of Jesus' resurrection. Two disciples are with him. They're walking down the road to Emmaus, talking about what had happened. And suddenly Jesus himself came alongside and joined them and began to walk beside them. But they didn't recognise him because God kept them from knowing. Isn't that interesting? You seem to be in deep depression about something. He said, what are you so concerned about? They stopped short of sadness written across their faces. Then Cleophas said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened these last few days. What things? Jesus said. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He's a mighty teacher and highly regarded by both God and people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had thought he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That all happened three days ago. Then some women were at the tomb early this morning and they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and they'd seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of the men ran out to see and sure enough Jesus' body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said, you such foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted the passages from the writings of Moses of all the prophets explaining all the scriptures about himself. By this time they were near Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have gone on but they begged him to stay overnight with them since it was getting late. So he went in with them. As they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, broke it, then gave it to them. And this is what it says. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. That's illumination. That's illumination. Isn't it incredible how God works through the power of the Holy Spirit? In their pain, in their grief, in their struggle, Jesus was there. Jesus is with us all of the time. All they needed was illumination. Can you see how important illumination is? Well, this is how I relate to that. You see, I had the privilege of going to Emmaus Bible College 
or school when it was at its peak. A fabulous time. I look back and I see two years of my life spent back there that were absolutely incredibly blessed of God. I mean, I stoked my mind with scripture. I had such a time at Bible college, I couldn't believe how good it was. Even while I was there and had struggles, it was such a good time. Then I got married to a beautiful woman. We had a lovely family of kids and grandchildren. Then I had 40 years of, 42 years in one church in the city of Frankston before it closed a year ago. And then there's my working life. And now we're in a Samoan church and all the people I've met. And then I see, when I open my eyes and God illuminates me, I see that God has been with me all the time through the struggles, through the ups, ups, through the downs. He's been with me all the time. And it takes me back to 1967, 67, just before I went to Bible college and two years before I just, conver- just converted those couple of years. Each day I'd get into the Warburton post office, jump into my car early because I took my sister to work and I had an hour or two to spare. I'd get the Bible out and I'd read it and I'd go down and sit on the tree on the river and I remember sitting on the tree, a branch of the tree over the river. It's not there now, the tree's gone. And there I was on that branch and I looked at the river below me and I read these words. It says, blessed is the person who doesn't stand in the way of the wicked or step in the way of sinners or keep the company of of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night and he will be fruitful and he will not wither and he will prosper. And I see illumination and God opens my eyes and I go, he's with me all the time. I see how God has been walking with me all this time. So, how can we prepare ourselves to see what God wants us to see? First of all, we need to begin a relationship with Jesus. You see, the Bible says really clearly, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, God illuminates us by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the difference between physical and spiritual. That's what makes the difference in our lives and we need to begin that with Jesus. It goes without saying, you cannot have these things until you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we need to ask God to open our eyes. I love this verse in Psalm 119 verse 18. You know why I love it? Because it works. Do you know why I love it? Because it's almost in the middle of the Bible. Some people have said it is. They've done their maths and said it's right in the middle. I don't know about that. I couldn't possibly go through all those um, that detail to find out if it's exactly in the middle because you'd have to know every word and da-da-da-da and I don't have that data. But it's right there near the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. Ask God in faith to open your mind, to open your eyes. Folks, these are really important things that we have a relationship with Jesus, that we come to God's word and ask in faith that he'll speak to us. Do you know, in the BSF studies recently, we went back into the the life of Moses 
And we went back into the time when Aaron went into the holy place. Do you know on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16? And we went back and had a look at it. You know what? It's awesome. It's awesome. You know, he went in there once a year, made the sacrifice and had to keep doing it. And then we're told, but we don't have that have that to happen anymore because Jesus, this man, made one sacrifice forever and sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the throne of God. But folks, it's important to understand this. We can't take that for granted. God loves us. The relationship with Jesus and coming to God with a holy reverence and fear. I mean, it struck me. Oh, God is so glorious, gloriously holy. And I am sometimes have been so flippant. We can't be. We can't be. Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see wonderful things in your word. And he says he will. And that's faith. Come to God and ask him in faith. And then commit. Or come with a humble attitude. And you know, I love this verse, these verses. In Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do you notice what it says there? Just think about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, number one. Lean not on your own understanding, number two. In all your ways acknowledge him, number three. There's three things there. Then he will direct your paths. Take one out and you're not going to get it. That's how God works. That's illumination. God works through his spirit and he says, come with a humble attitude and do these things, mean these things, be these things and I will bless you. So we come with a humble heart to trust and a humble attitude to trust God. And then cleanse my heart of sin and conflict. You know, 1 John 2.11 says, Whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks around in darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Isn't that powerful? Can't play with God. Can't play with sin. Can't have hate in our hearts about our brother. I'll talk about that as we finish in a moment. And then finally, commit in advance to do what God says. And you know, there's these great verses in Psalm 119, verse 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. What a commitment. Commit in advance. Unqualified obedience. Lord, I will take notice of what you say. Let me give you a personal illustration as we finish. The church closed at Frankston. It was a sad story, you know, uh, to a large degree, want, want it to be so or not. It's reality. I was in the middle of it. I was there. I wasn't key leader at the time, but I was there and I was part of the whole thing. It was a silly, sad time. And uh, lots of hurt and pain for people as they, as they move on from what happened down there. And, you know, there's, I, when I'd come through all that and then I was into retirement and <clears throat> trying to get my head around all the changes in my life and I really went into a time of great emotional stress and tension and difficulty. And what was I going to do? And I really experienced the Lord speaking to me. I haven't got time to explain it all to you, but, you know, <clears throat> I went through it and I said to the Lord, Lord, 
And the Lord speaks through his word. He illuminates his word. You know, I've always said that and always believed that we are to love one another as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And we're to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. And they're, they're really important things. And, you know, as I was going through this time and reading and learning and listening from the Lord, you know what I heard? I heard this. It says in 1 Peter 1 that we are to love one another from the heart. From the heart. And if you go and have a look carefully in Matthew 18, it says we are to forgive one another from the heart. From the heart. Powerful, isn't it? Well, I went through all that and I got to the Lord and I talked to him and I said, Lord, these are in your hands and I'm sad for the things that happened and the things that I haven't done well and could have done better and the things I've failed in and, and I forgive those who have hurt me and I want to be able to express that forgiveness and I will any time I have an opportunity. Three weeks ago, true story, sitting at home, the phone rings. I'm watching a DVD with Lynn. Only Lynn's watching the DVD and I've gone off to sleep. <laughs> it's 8.30 and the phone rings. I pick it up. Hello? Hello, George. Tim. Tim. Oh, Tim. Yes, Tim from the church back there. <laughs> How you going? Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like this. Yeah, all right. Well, that's fine. Um, can I get this? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Later on, Lynn said, I sounded cold and I said, I hope so because I was trying to steal myself to sort out what to say. And then... He said, um, do you think we could get together and have a, a coffee and, and da da da? And I said, oh, I don't know, Tim, doubt it, don't know, have to see. And he said, okay, well, if, if you ever want to, that's okay. And I put down the phone. And you know, I have a great way of working these things out in my head. And I had all the good arguments as to why I shouldn't have to go and talk to that guy about those things. You know, two days later, I picked up the phone and I said to Tim, Tim, that'll be good. I'd love to, I will have a, I didn't say I'd love a, I'm ready to have a coffee with you and sit down and have a talk. I want to tell you this. In that split second of a moment when I said, yes, we'll sit down and have a coffee, there was healing in my heart. There was healing in my heart. There was illumination of the Spirit and I can't explain it. That's long before the conversation which went fine. Tim said, George, I don't agree with everything you did. Didn't like your methods very much, which is what he was effectively saying. But I do believe that in your intent of your heart, you had the church and everybody else best interest in mind. I said, Tim, that's fine. I don't want anybody criticising my methods. That's fine. But, you know, that was side, that very moment that I picked up the phone and said, yes, we'll meet. There was healing in my heart. Do you know Why? It's obedience to the illumination. I am to love from the heart. I am to forgive from the heart. Do you know, I cannot not forgive. I have not got that privilege. I need to do what the Word of God says. So I leave you with this verse. How important it is that we understand. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Illumination by the Holy Spirit is absolutely imperative and incredibly profound and powerful. It changes your life when you come to the Scriptures with an open heart and you listen to God and He speaks to you. Let us pray.
have your own way, Lord. Do what you want to do in each of our hearts. Help us not to miss the moment and the opportunity. Continue, Lord, to speak to each one of us. We give you thanks for your word in Jesus' name. Amen.